welcome to this first episode of Eat the System. In this first episode, we look at a classic example of why it's really important to have a systems-wide approach when we deal with a subject. In this case, children's food. We can improve the offers that we make in school. We can provide universal free school meals. We can provide good healthy food in out-of-school clubs and after-school clubs. But what if the children don't have the confidence or the experience to try what is new food to them? Well, I spoke to Fran Box from Taste Ed. This is an organisation that really has thought long and hard about this and come up with what I consider to be a brilliant solution. So let's get to it. Can I just first of all say thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and being one of my first guests. So I'm going to dive straight in there with probably the biggest question. What is Taste Ed or to give it its full name, what is Taste Education? Taste Ed's a charity. It's, it was really set up to introduce children to the, the joy of healthy foods, the joy of vegetables and fruits specifically, with the idea that through this joy, children can build healthy kind of lifelong relationships with food. Traditionally, food education has been really based on um, the idea of what, what's good for you. So things like the five a day campaign has been around for nearly 20 years now, and yet children still aren't really eating enough vegetables and fruits. So what Taste Ed does is it works with schools and nurseries to support them to introduce sensory food education to children. So this is really looking at how do we explore fresh fruit and vegetables? So actually bringing those things into the classroom rather than just drawing maybe a picture of a a piece of fruit or vegetable and get children to explore them using all their senses. So we often start with a sense of sight. So a taste-ed activity could be as simple as looking at a range of different tomatoes. Um, So looking at the different colours, the different shapes and sizes, because often children may not have ever seen like a yellow tomato before. So just through this, they get to see these different foods that they may never have experienced at home. And then in each activity, each lesson, they get the chance to try those foods. Throughout the Taste Ed activities, they use all their different senses. So a child could have the opportunity to, I don't know, listen to a piece of celery, listen to a pea pod crack, all those kind of exciting things, smell different types of uh, spices. And so then they really get to know these foods and get to explore them without that kind of pressure of having to eat them. You know, at mealtimes, we've all heard, you know, you have to finish your vegetables before you can try your dessert. Whereas Taste Ed is taking away that pressure, moving food education away from mealtimes and giving children these opportunities to try these different vegetables and fruits. Yeah, we provide the kind of resources and support to schools and nurseries for them to be able to introduce this into their school day. And it was set up by a food writer called B. Wilson and a head teacher called Jason O'Rourke. And they saw this kind of disconnect with food, the fact that children weren't really eating healthy diets, despite knowing Children do know about five a day. They do know what a healthy diet constitutes a lot of the time, but it doesn't necessarily lead to them eating healthy foods. So they learnt about this method that has been used in Europe. It's called Sapera, and it's around helping children learn to love foods rather than just knowing what's what's good or bad for them. Obviously, the teacher in me knows exactly what the teacher's going to... Well, I know a couple of things the teacher's going to say. First thing any school is going to say these days is, how much does it cost? All our resources are free to schools and nurseries. So that was one thing that was really important to us because it's about every child having this opportunity to try this method of food education. So by making it free... We hope that as many schools and nurseries can kind of access it as possible. There is, of course, the cost of vegetables and fruits, and we can't deny at the moment, right, that that's that's an issue, and that is an issue for schools. But our resources are completely free. Um, And there's different ways of approaching that food cost. So some schools 
might get their, their kind of canteen to order in some extra food so they can use that in, as part of food education. I know some schools have worked with local allotments to access kind of gluts of extra vegetables and fruits, but it is something we need to consider at the moment with the current like cost of living crisis. And then when a school signs up, because it's a sign-up system, isn't it, and, you, and then you receive the resources and the support. So first of all, what are those resources? What do they look like? What do they contain? So what we have on there is training because introducing teachers to this idea of taste ed. So not only is there the idea of the sensory food education, which may be a little different to what their normal food education has looked like historically. And is a lot, a lot of it's around like kind of taking the time to explore those foods. But also we have two golden rules and those are no one has to try the food. No one has to like it. And that's quite counterintuitive to some of our approaches to food historically, especially you know around mealtimes, we're often told, go on, try a little bit, just have a little bit. And Taste Ed's really about removing that pressure. So our training videos introduce teachers and nursery practitioners to those concepts. And then alongside those training resources, we have lesson plans and PowerPoints. So those really take a teacher through how to run a lesson, what's needed, they include curriculum links, so how does this link with the national curriculum, and any further activities. There could be an additional activity around reading a book, for example, or doing um, an experiment based on that lesson. And then there's a PowerPoint which actually steps the teacher through the lesson, and that's got illustrations, photos. So even if teachers can't access, I don't know, purple carrots, um, which I, he- I hear is quite tricky to, to, to access, there's a photo there of some purple carrots. So children can really see these kind of the diverse range of foods that are out there we also do do in-person training with schools and these are like pretty joyous experiences because from what we hear teachers don't have much opportunity to to learn about how to run food education lessons it's not really part of the pgce a lot of teachers might not have confidence themselves around delivering cooking workshops so we go into schools to work with teachers to help them feel confident around delivering sensory food education is there a cost attached to that in-person yeah, so, so we're a charity, but we cover our costs through doing that. So we have... Have you had any interest from any non-education establishments to run Tasted? Yeah, definitely. So I think it's quite broad in terms of who has been interested in, in working with Tasted. Because I think, you know, across the board, people can see that children's diets are not good enough. Children aren't eating enough um, fruit and vegetables. And actually, that's only getting kind of worse at the moment with all the issues with access to food. So I think there's there's been interest from so many different people. One thing we do alongside having resources for schools and nurseries is having resources for the holiday and activity programme. So that brings in a lot of different organisations, particularly sports organisations, interestingly. So they're delivering that kind of physical well-being aspect um, of that programme where children are getting to play a sport or do exercise, but also they might not be experienced in how to deliver nutrition education that goes alongside that. Brought lots of food kind of education programs can see that taste ed can be a first step so if you're doing cooking it's all very good running a cooking program but if a child's never tried a tomato or never seen an onion then jumping straight into cooking a tomato sauce or something might be quite alien so if you start with something as simple as exploring those different foods what they feel like what they look like and then the children can feel confident to know those foods before actually that being part of what they're cooking what kind of commitment would taste ed have on the school's time and resources? The vast majority of schools, food is not at the core of what they do, even for schools that see its importance. And I think that's one of the joys of Taste Ed is that actually it's so simple. So even when, you know, a teacher might not have the confidence or even the time to deliver a cooking lesson, 
bringing in a few apples to discuss what they look like, the different colours and having a taste, it's not massively time consuming. We have the resources there. We have the lesson all planned out. And so it's ready to go. So actually, it should be a really quite easy thing to slot into their curriculum rather than it being this kind of big time consuming pressure on them. I was actually at a training session the other day and one of the teachers said, these lessons are so easy to deliver. I could get a supply teacher or a a cover teacher to deliver it, but I wouldn't want to because it seems too fun. When I speak to teachers, a teacher the other day said it's it's one of the times when me and my class got to know each other the best. Because we talked about our food memories, our experiences of food at home. And the, the, the teachers really took part in that session and talked about their likes and dislikes and really engaged trying the food. So it was a, it's a lovely way of, of teachers actually engaging with their pupils, not just to get them to eat more healthily. Yeah, and actually, I think that's something that seems to have missing from the curriculum a little bit. Now, there used to be lots of circle time. And I know some of the uh, health and personal development education is about talking about uh, themselves but it all it it does seem very regimented and i'm not sure whether pu- whether pupils and teachers are getting to know each other the, the way that they they do when when people talk about food so can you just go through what a i know no no lesson and no session is typical but just so an idea if a teacher was uh thinking of or a school was thinking about taking up taste ed what kind of activities would go through a typical session yeah of course so the lessons are quite formulaic although they change from early years to year six with much more detail but they they still follow this same structure and that's actually one of the things i think really appeals to teachers and children that they know we're doing taste ed this is what a taste ed lesson looks like um so they always start with children talking about the senses which part of the body do we use for what so that familiarity with with our senses and then they introduce the food so it might be a lesson around carrots it could be a lesson about green vegetables it could be a lesson about loud and quiet foods so there's a, there's often a theme to the lesson and the beginning talks a bit about where food comes from uh, so children giving the children the opportunity to understand kind of where where it's from and how it's grown and then you go on to the activity so this is where you actually bring the, the vegetables and fruits into the classroom you get to show the children and there's all sorts of different activities so one I mentioned just now was loud and quiet foods so that's a lesson where you bring in a whole variety of foods that make different sounds so we often use celery because it's very loud and crunchy or peppers and then something that's quieter like a blueberry it's all or soft fruit squishy and it gives children the chance to kind of look at the foods you might listen to how they sound when you're cutting them and then you listen to how they sound when you're eating them and then children might rank which are the loudest foods and which which are the quietest foods uh, they might talk about what would be the quietest meal you could make or what's the loudest meal you could make and it's just that real fun of getting to explore those foods through a sense because you often like, particularly with hearing you don't no- normally associate food and sound yeah it, it plays a massive part on, on our experience of eating um so it's all around that and then we kind of we asked the children whether they tried anything new so children are often really proud to say they they tried something for the very first time and that could just be they tried it by licking it or they tried it by smelling it because they were still exploring that food so that's what a lesson looks like and honestly children just seem to love them like the biggest thing we hear is that children are so engaged with them. And I think a big part of that comes from these golden rules that are part of every session. So this is, in every session, we remind children, you don't have to try the food and you don't have to like it. And that time again, that we hear that's what's key. And it's because food can be so emotional, so there can be so much pressure around food, that as soon as you say to a child, you don't have to try it, 
it changes their attitude. They can relax, they can engage. And I hear teachers say that children that often don't engage in other lessons will engage in taste ed lessons because they're exciting. You know, the children cheer when they hear that they've got a taste ed lesson, which is just, that's all you want really, isn't it? Children to be excited by vegetables and fruits. Absolutely. I think I think love of food is the first thing you, if you want people to eat healthily, they've got to love the food they're eating, don't they? Uh, now, in terms of the, I mean, for me, it, I am kind of completely shocked this is not part of the national curriculum yet. As soon as I heard about, I mean, the European model 20 years ago, however long, when, it, when that happened, I was like, well, obviously the next step now is we adopt it as national curriculum in school. What kind of penetration, what kind of take-up are we actually getting for taste ed in the school system? As a side note, in Finland, it is part of the national curriculum for their early years, which I think is up to the age of seven. It's part of their kind of food education um, that they have to do. Whereas here, I mean, we as, an, as a charity, we obviously want as many schools and nurseries to adopt it as possible. So we have a thousand schools and nurseries that have signed up to access our resources which is amazing because four years ago we had 10 schools signed up. So you can really see the appetite for it. Schools and nurseries that come to us, they want extra tools in their arsenal to be able to help children eat healthily, eat more fruit and vegetables. In regards to the national curriculum, I mean, if in the food plan, in Henry Dimbleby's food plan that was a national food strategy that was commissioned by the government, there was recommendation for sensory food education to be added to the curriculum for nursery and reception classes. This recommendation obviously hasn't been taken up at the moment, but we, I feel and we feel that that is definitely something that could be in there because a lot of the national curriculum at the moment focuses on cooking and then on nutrition. And those two things are great, but they don't have this ability to, to kind of love food. And cooking is like quite a big step if you haven't even tried some of the foods you're, you're eating, you're cooking with. Um, and of course, I feel like there's more... There's breadth to have it in the curriculum in all age ranges. We see it. We see the benefits when key stage two children have these opportunities to try new foods, and we can see the impacts. You know, in the in the lunch hall, based on having had food education, um, and I think especially with the conversation at the moment around free school meals, with you know access is vital. So having children being able to access hot free school meals, but then are they actually eating that food? We need those that food education to sit alongside other policies such as free school meals. Otherwise, we're going to end up with all this food being provided, but still it being the beige food that's being eaten. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I will shout out for Hull because we had free school meals before anybody else in the country. And the amazingly good research that was done by the university, that was a thing that they were aware of. Ours came in very quickly and then the policy was changed very quickly, but it was quite clear that the next the next step that was going to have to be taken, and this was acknowledged by everybody, was we needed to improve the take-up of what was an, ex- an excellent offer. So you're absolutely right. We can't have really good school food if nobody's eating it because it becomes meaningless. In terms of that take-up, I mean, 1,000 is brilliant. To do it in four years is brilliant. It is still 5% of the school population doing my maths. What do we need to do other than encouraging the government to take it on board in the national curriculum? And let's not forget that is only 40% of schools anyway, of primary schools, are legally obliged to take part in the national curriculum. What do we need to do to increase the uptake of proper food sensory education within the education sector? I think it's really around having these conversations more because I think people 
constantly are talking about having access to food and food education is not becoming part of those conversations so how do we link up those two things where we have so many conversations around breakfast clubs around holiday food provisions around school lunches and these are really part of the conversations that are happening at the moment food education should be as important and should sit alongside that and then I think because schools can very much see the importance of a breakfast club or they can see the importance of hot school meals and yet they're not seeing the importance of food education and I think it's kind of where do we start these conversations so really looking at yes it should be in the national curriculum but what about if we worked closely with student teachers so they can see the importance of of food education so getting that interest and that excitement that confidence from teachers going into the education system so they understand what what sensory food education is for starters because I think so much of our understanding of food education is around the eat well plate what does nutrition look like and then let's cook one or two meals and that's that ticked off whereas if we can instill that kind of so many people love food if we can instill the importance of food education then I think that's will take us on leaps and bounds I think also um kind of conversation around sustainability so if we talk about a sustainable diet then we're talking about a diet that's that's plant-based, that's high in vegetables and fruits. So if part of the conversation can be around how do we get children and how do we get people to eat a more sustainable and healthy diet, then you're really looking at how do we increase vegetable and fruit consumption and how do we do that? We need to get children to love those things because we can see that telling people to eat a nutritious diet is not working, telling people to eat more vegetables is not working. So having that conversation around where do we want to get to and how are we going to get there? And I think just talking about it more because... Actually, we've had so much interest and once people do taste Ed, once they see it, they love it. That's generally what we know know and what we see. So how do we get people to understand what it is? And I think that's a lot of that's just word of mouth, talking about it, showing people the impact it can have. For teachers, they're getting to show a child a piece of food and within one lesson, I mean, I saw it the other day, within one lesson, these children went from only eating apples to trying radish and celery. Like that's... That ch- being able to see that change in the space of, you know, I think it was about 45 minutes is joyous. So I think if we can talk of that and talk to schools about that, then I, I can see the appetite is there. It's just a, just got to keep going. I was talking to someone just today about that provision of healthy, not even healthy food, sorry. It was exactly what we're talking about, the provision of good food that is also healthy in schools. And I mentioned from the other side the take-up of healthy food by the pupils and the importance of proper taste and sensory food education. And you could almost literally see the light bulb on the top of this person's head as they realised that actually, yes, there is another side to the equation that does need to be taken account of. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. Uh, I mean, we've talked about schools, but sometimes in schools, especially primary schools, we're not just there for the children, we're there for the families and you, you mentioned on the website there's support for parents and there's support for the children at home and for their families. What does that look like? Yeah, it, it can look quite different, really, depending on the school. I think with anything around food, or anything, really, if you're doing it in school, it needs to be backed up in the rest of a child's life. Otherwise, that lesson might not stick. That kind of behaviour might not stick. So the more, you know, we talk about foods, you learn to like foods, some foods. So, you, you know, it can take 
10 times to, of trying something to actually like it, that isn't necessarily going to happen in the classroom or in the school canteen. So anything that can be backed up at home, just it makes sense for giving this the best shot at, at working, at changing a child's kind of eating behaviours. So in terms of what we do, we have resources for parents so they can run not like a lesson, but just the activity section of a, a taste ed lesson. They can just do the I don't know, an example is like what's in the sock. So you, you hide a bunch of different fruits and vegetables in the bottom of a sock and then you pop your hand in and you have a little feel and you talk about the texture. So is it round? Is it soft? Is it smooth? Is it fuzzy? Um, and then you can guess what, what the food is. And that's a really fun thing that a parent could do at home with their child. And it's doing that away from meal times again. So I think parents can feel a lot of pressure at meal times around whether their child is eating healthily, what their child is eating. I think they can feel judged if their child doesn't eat a healthy diet, if they only eat certain types of food. So it's about helping, equipping parents with some tools that they can use to work with their children if they don't like to eat healthy foods or don't like to eat vegetables and fruits. So we have those, we have some videos that they can watch as well. So that's kind of what we provide. And I know some schools have also run parent workshops, so where they've invited the parents in to talk about these techniques to talk about what the children are doing in the school and how it can be replicated at home. And you really see parents' stress from... If their child is not eating, the parents are, are feel so guilty, feel so stressed, that anything we can do to support them, I think, is really valuable. It works really well when it's happening alongside Taste Ed happening in schools because parents can actually see the change. We've had schools where the parents have said, what are you doing? Why is my kid suddenly eating... This, differently at home what, what's happening so if they can understand that it can have a positive impact and they can actually replicate it at home then that's where the magic is that's when we get the real impact we can provide these resources but we have to understand that parents might not have the time the energy the finance to actually be able to to run these sessions so it's it's kind of providing the resources without putting that expectation on to parents um, but I think it's a really fascinating thing to think about particularly at the moment of like how do we support parents when children are you know and there's so much advertising so children are being led to eat these more beige these more unhealthy diets what do we do to kind of combat that when parents can feel quite unempowered for people that are working in community food the food system that realize that this is an amazing thing that as many schools as possible need to be taking part what can they do to in encourage schools to take part in taste ed and to publicize it and to basically support and facilitate taste ed in getting implemented in far more schools it's a good question um because i think one of the issues we have and a lot of organizations will have is that schools are bombarded there's so many amazing ideas out there and there's so many different people wanting to work with primary schools. It's how do you stand out? How do you let people know that there's this real benefit and there's this real impact that the work you're doing has? And community food organisations, I think, are some of our biggest kind of champions because they understand it without having to be persuaded. They can really see the benefit of, you know, century food education of, of fresh fruit and vegetables in the classroom. It's kind of a no-brainer from their perspective, but they're not the ones having to deliver it. So I think we've normally, it's a case of, talking to schools so being you know if, if we email a school or if a local authority emails a school it can kind of sometimes get lost in amongst everything else that's going on whereas the idea of a local community group approaching a school with a specific idea I think is a really lovely opportunity also if say the organization is a local allotment or a local food distribution kind of center then how can 
the organisation actually support the school. So we saw one, you know, a school the other day was running a lesson on tomatoes and they did a shout out to the local allotment groups to do they have any spare tomatoes. So how can they actually help the school deliver Taste Ed? I think is probably the, the key way I can see it, it working. Because some community organisations have actually run Taste Ed. It's not our traditional model. So traditionally, we look at the teacher or the nursery practitioner running the sessions. And this, there's quite a few reasons behind it. One is that as a charity, we want to upskill the teachers themselves so that we're not constantly reliant on our resource to be able to make sure the children have the lessons. So if Taste Ed ceases to exist, teachers still have these skills and these tools at their disposal. The other thing is that a child is used to learning new things with their teacher. So it kind of makes sense for them to learn about foods. If, if a stranger comes in and says, you know, try this lychee, probably not a good example, but something random, they might, the kids might not be that enthused to try it with someone they don't know, whereas with the teacher, they really trust them. So generally speaking, that's the model we encourage. But we've actually seen with local community groups that know the school well, there's someone called Community Crunchy Carrot or Community Carrot in Dunbar, I think. Um, and someone from the shop went in and delivered lessons with you know, their produce. So actually giving that first example lesson or that first set of lessons so that teachers can see how easy it is and how impactful it is, can be a really good opportunity for them to then be on board. Because sometimes if they've not seen it, they might not believe in it. I think when you see Taste Ed, when you see that child trying a plum for the very first time and their eyes lighting up, that's when you understand kind of what it is and how simple it is. So potentially that's, I don't know, that's one example of how they can get involved. Yes, well, I know I'm definitely going to be yet again talking to all the schools that I know and telling them that they really need to be getting on board with this. Fran, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you for listening to Eat the System. This podcast is produced by the Whole Food Partnership in association with Creative Projects Limited.